Hey, this is Thinking and Drinking. I'm your host, Bart Almond. Over the last 30 years or so, I've worked for major record companies, working with major artists such as Alabama, the Dixie Chicks, and Florida Georgia Line. I've also been writing songs for the past 15 years, have over 50 cuts, two number ones, and made a lot of friends along the way. I'm going to be talking to some of those friends about songs, life on the road, and just life in general. I hope you have as much fun as I will. Tina Parole is an effervescent Buffalo Bills fan who took a leap of faith during the pandemic to start her own publishing company while ramping up her songwriting and busting the sink worldwide open. She started writing songs and singing at a young age and got a record deal with Motown when she was only 19 years old. She's come quite a ways indeed. I had a blast getting to know Tina Parole. Here she is. Tina Parole. Welcome to Thinking and Drinking. Thank you. Thanks What's going for having on? Me. Oh, just you know, chilling on this rainy Nashville day. <laughs> oh man, how many <laughs> days in a row are we going to have to have rain? Oh, I think it's going to clear up this weekend. Thankfully, I'm you, over it. You are going to pilgrimage. Pilgrimage. Yes. How many bands is that? Oh man, I, I think mean, it's like thirty or forty. There's at least thirty. Yeah, for sure. Who's your fave? I'm really excited to see Dave Matthews Band. I'm a upstate New York hippie at heart, right? so <laughs> I can't wait to see them. Yeah. I've never seen them before. Have you not? No. Amy's a big fan. I can yeah. kind of come and go. Okay. How long will they play? I mean, I've heard they can go, they can go hard. Yeah. They can go for a while. So I'm there for it. I'm ready. <laughs> I'm ready. I'm ready. So you were born in New Jersey? I was. And then you moved to New York when you were a, a wee lass? I was like four when we moved, yeah. Yeah? Mm-hmm. Where in New York did you go to? So moved from New Jersey, uh, the land of Bruce Springsteen. I've heard of him. In case anyone wants to know. Um, up to Buffalo. And John Bon Jovi. Uh, I'm a Bills fan. I, I don't like John Bon Jovi. John, if you're listening. Um, yeah, I, I then moved to Buffalo, New York. Which is why I'm a Bills fan. Sweet. Yeah. Wait, so how long were you in New York? I moved to New York when I was four. Okay. And then I moved to downstate New York for Buffalo when I was 16. Okay. Mm -hmm, To Sleepy Hollow, New York. So, yeah. Is the legend true? It is. (laughs) Our high school mascot was the Headless Horseman. No, it wasn't. Oh, yeah. The whole town was very into it. Yeah. (sighs) Super cool. Yeah. It's a real place. Um, obviously you're mega musical. Was there anybody in your family that was musical? You know, um, I definitely had musical family members on both sides. Like yeah. My mom sang, um, and then my grandma on the other side, my paternal grandmother sang. So definitely. And my father, he loved to dance. Like he wasn't, yeah. he was like the Bee Gees ABBA what? You know, disco guy. Yeah. Really? Like Euro disco man. Yeah. So you've seen your dad with his shirt unbuttoned down to his belt? Unfortunately. <laughs> yeah. <That's laughs> At awesome. my wedding, actually. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. <laughs> just, just recently, as a yeah. matter of fact. <laughs> yeah. Well, did, when you say singing, were, were, were you playing piano so they could sing or guitar or is there instruments around? You know, my parents, they're from Poland originally. They, so they had like a huge you know, diverse mm. musical taste collection, yeah. everything from ABBA and the Bee Gees to Tina Turner, who I'm named after, to, uh, really? yeah, to Freddie Mercury, to like 
Willie Nelson and Patsy Cline. Um, so they would just play records and yeah. I would sing along. You know, there was always that going on in our house. Man. Yeah. Yeah, that's back in the days, I guess, when radio was just radio. Yeah. And they would play all that stuff on the same same station. Well, we had, we were poor immigrants. We still had a turntable. Oh, I yes. was Yeah, in the 90s. So. <laughs> did you keep it? Um, I did not keep it. I think it actually broke. But I do have a lot of my dad's vinyl, stuff that he just doesn't listen to anymore because yeah. he has a CD player now in 2021. So. <laughs> hey, I still buy CDs. Yeah, so does my dad. I like, I like the liner notes and I like uh-huh. that stuff. But now my car doesn't have a CD player in it. So I know. What is this? They forced me into Apple Music. Seriously. Yeah. So do you have a turntable? I do not. Maybe I should get one for Christmas. See, I don't either. And people keep giving me vinyl and stuff and I keep, not in a rude way, but going, you know, you can, you don't have to give me that because I don't have any way to listen to it. Yeah. Maybe I should get one. That'd be kind of fun to listen to Bing Crosby yeah. while you're doing the tribute. Uh, I was our... listening to Frank Sinatra on the way here. Oh. Because it's raining and I'm from New York, so I'm going to put on Sinatra. You got to. Yeah. <laughs> so we so were you starting bands with friends and stuff when you were kids if this was so musical? Yeah. I mean, I I started writing songs when I was like 11 by myself. Um, and then when I was 16, I got my first publishing deal. And move, that's why I moved from Buffalo to Sleepy Hollow, New York, because Sleepy Hollow is about 30 minutes north of Manhattan. So I was in high school, but I was also taking the train in right. a few days a week to write. So, I mean, I was like, I was working young. How did someone find out about your songs? <laughs> I, I made a demo at a studio in Buffalo, and I cold called entertainment lawyers in Manhattan pretending to be my mother. Being like, you need to hear my daughter's music. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> I did. And I faked the accent because she's an immigrant. <laughs> you need to hear my daughter's music. Like, I would do that. And I would. And then one guy called me back. And he was like a legit, you know, entertainment lawyer. He actually repped um, Barbara Mandrell. Oh, yes. Yeah. Um, and a bunch of other songwriters. And he's like, I really like your stuff. And his wife or girlfriend uh was running cherry lane music oh okay and that's who i signed with when i was 16 wow yeah i wrote for them for a while i was a baby yeah so okay you you enrolled at nyu yeah was that like right after high school right after yeah so but you kept taking classes what is the the clive davis department and yeah, of right? recorded music. Yeah. Okay. Remu at NYU. Mm-hmm. So you were doing classes and writing and singing and recording like yes. all at the same time. By the time I got to NYU, I had left my Cherry Lane deal. I was okay. there for two years. And then I just kind of started fresh at NYU and formed a band called Tina Parole and the Convicts. Nice. Anybody out there get that one? <laughs> now, the funniest part about the band, besides the fact that we were a college band and we were called Tina Brawl and the Convicts, was that my last name does not have an E on it. Right. I chose to add the E at that time to make so your people mom, would get the joke. To make your mom happy? <sighs> yeah. It was just, yeah. I mean, we look, we were good. Like, we were all NYU students in the music yeah. department, so everyone was really talented. Yeah. And we would play, like, you know, all these dope clubs in the city, like the bitter end and, you know, 
uh, Mercury Lounge and pianos. And it was it was such a good time in my my life. I was like 18 doing it. And I just told myself, I really want to get a record deal. Mm-hmm. It's the reason I went to NYU over some other schools um, where I wasn't going to study music. So I just said, okay, this is the one school that didn't give me a full ride. <laughs> and I have to take loans out. So <laughs> if I don't get a record deal after one year, I'm going to transfer. So I got a record deal that first year. Man. Yeah. How great is that? Yeah. Drop the E back back to the normal spelling. Right. Drop yep. the convicts. Yep. Dr- sorry, convicts. Yep. Uh, we parted <laughs> ways. Went with uh, Tina Parole and the Never Convicted. And the Never Convicted. Yes. Yep. And the parole officers. No. Um, yeah. And then I got a record deal with Universal Motown when I was 19. So what did your music sound like prior? I mean, on your way to Motown. I mean, because you talk about... ABBA and, and all these people, but also mm-hmm. Willie Nelson and stuff. I mean, what were you sounding like? Who were your influences as a writer and a singer? As a singer, I mean, I loved a lot of women in rock, uh, like Debbie Harry. Yeah. Um, early Gwen Stefani, like Tragic Kingdom Days. Um, Shirley Manson from Garbage. Oh, man. Like, yeah. I had a rock-influenced Yeah. Uh, for sure. That, that record, when I signed the record deal, I had, like, always wanted a live band um, you know, we did Warp Tour, Bamboozle Roadshow, mm-hmm. like when I had a record deal, we were always out, I was out with a band and yeah, just always had a rock influence, but a little bit of like New York hip hop swag, mm-hmm. um, which is just kind of like who you are if you're from New York. So I grew up too listening to like Beastie Boys and, yeah. you know, Tribe Called Quest and Talib Kweli and Nas and Biggie and Tupac. Like I loved rap too. Yeah. I love everything. <laughs> like I well, all yeah. music and reggae. I'm a big reggae fan. So some of my like early Motown record had some reggae influenced. I would say like reggae influenced rock. Yeah. So Motown is primarily known as an urban la- label. Yeah. Did they let you really do what you do or did they put you with a producer and that producer said, you know, this is where you're going? I mean, was it a real collaborative effort, even though you were only 19? My A&R guy... Um, on Motown, who's still a close friend is Shep Goodman. And he was like, Hey, who do you want to work with? Like, who are your dream producers? So I would write these people down of like, that I would look at liner notes growing up. One of which was Matthew Wilder who produced Tragic Kingdom. So like I'm 19 years old. I'm, I signed to my deal and three weeks later they sent me to LA to work with him. Like they really took, you know, what I wanted. Um, and let me do my thing. So I wrote for about a year and a half and then we put a single out that um, I liked. I wouldn't say it was my favorite song that I'd written, but mm-hmm. like I get why they made it the single. It was called "Who's Got Your Money." And I like yeah. the video. Thank you. I <laughs> I danced in it. You did. I did. Um, and it was filmed in in my old neighborhood in Queens, which I was living in at the time. Like I wanted to keep everything as authentic as possible. Like I had my band in the video. Like everything was, you know, just my life. Um, so it was great and it went top 40 and I got to like tour the whole country and see, see the whole U S you know? So you say doing the warp tour and stuff, you said you had a band and everything. Did most young female artists of that day not have bands? I mean, was it mostly track stuff or? I think it was like this fork in the road in pop where like we had Katy Perry on Warp Tour too, and like this other great female fronted band, Charlotte. Sometimes, like they had 
you know, bands like I did, but then you'd also have Gaga coming right. who wasn't on warp tour, but she was kind of up and coming and like the dance thing was getting more popular. Okay. So like the rock sort of mid two thousands was, was slowly fading away. Yeah. You know, so it's sort of like a mix of both, I think, especially for female artists at, the, at that time. Why was that important to you to have a band? I just loved the energy of a live show with yeah. like a drummer and a bass player and a guitarist. And like I said, there's definitely like a rock energy to the shows that I would do back then. Like yeah. even the who's got your money video, the endings all, you know, us rocking out in Queens, just you know, all sorts of music like that to me tends to get heavier when it's live. Yes. Cause people are starting to have little volume wars on stage and you know, and, <laughs> yeah, definitely. Yeah, it, so Especially the drummer. Right. <laughs> <laughs> well, and I have, seen a guitar player do that yeah periodically periodically or the lead singer right. um oops yeah no so it's it was definitely like i just i like the energy of that if i'm yeah. gonna do that if i'm gonna play a show i do that like even playing songwriters rounds now like i'll do who's got your money live really yeah and i'll like rap the verses like i i like having high energy performances so that's definitely why i wanted a plus band. when you're on the road the camaraderie is everything you need it because it's a lot i mean those were like my brothers yeah in the band like it was you know going to three cities in one day some days yeah for, on radio tour like people don't get if they're not in it they don't understand like i'd wake up in dallas you know at five do the morning show you know drive to whatever austin do the the lunch hour and then take a flight to Oklahoma City and yeah. do the evening show and then play a club at midnight and sleep four hours and do it again. I mean, it was like, that was my life for Hard a few work. months. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah. I have done that. Yeah, it's a lot. <laughs> it's a lot. <laughs> it's a lot. Um, yeah, the, just the, the camaraderie thing is also like being the young pretty girl on the Warp Tour is probably nice to have some dudes around. Three or four dudes you could really trust. Yeah. Like, if we all out there remember MySpace, I had some, I had some creepers, you oh, know, I bet. like messaging and showing up to shows. And I was just like, oh no. Yeah. So, yeah, it was good to have some boys. <laughs> yeah. Though I can hold my own. Oh, yeah. I can hold my own. I can see the, yeah. the taser in your purse from here. I can oh, see I it. actually have one. It's you do? hot pink. Oh. Yeah. Hold on. Do I have it with me? <laughs> oh, man. I do. We I love that. I actually have it. Oh, that is so great. Is it charged? I'm sure it's charged. Don't worry. Yeah. Nice. See? Hear that? <laughs> Don't mess with me. Do not mess with this. <laughs> and it's hot pink. I love that. Oh, your poor dogs. I'm sorry. I know it. No, they, there's a lot of weapons around here. Yeah. They like I hear that. everything, but they don't, I don't, they don't, they've never heard one of those. Yeah. So how long, how long after, did you put out one pop record, two pop records? How many did you end up doing? I put out one and then the label and I parted ways. We stopped seeing eye to eye on some stuff. Not necessarily my A&R, but like the higher ups. Yeah. Um, you know, what to take to radio next. And then a couple of the songs that were like on my Motown record ended up in various TV shows and like films, like more sync stuff. Mm -hmm. So that was pretty cool. And then at that point I had a song that I wrote, um, end up on Britney Spears' circus album. Mm. And I got to vocal produce her and work with her and she was one of my idols growing up, oh, that's you know? Cool. So at that point I was like, man, do I even want to be like 
an artist in the sense of a major label. Like, I didn't know if I wanted that life. Like, I was so drained from the road. I was on the road for a couple years and just, like, tired, you know? Um, So at that point, I signed a publishing deal with Bug and moved to Los Angeles. Ah. Yeah, for nine months. It's about as long as I lasted. (laughs) I am an East Coast person (laughs) through and through. Or at least kind of a central person. Yeah, like Tennessee is still like, I can hop in the car and, you know, get home if I needed to or hop on a flight. Like California is really far. It's a whole other world. Yeah. It's a beautiful area. I still have some great friends from there, but like... And I love visiting. Yeah. I love going for like a few days for work. I can't live there. I it's 3,000 miles away yeah. from here, yeah. let alone from... New York. Yeah. Yeah. It's culturally super different. I'm a seasons person. Oh, man. Like, yeah. I love the seasons and wearing boots and leather jackets. And like, I'm, you know, like, I can't... Did you drive when you lived in New York? I didn't. I, I learned to drive in L.A. Okay, that's Which is what why I was... I'm such an aggressive driver, even in Tennessee. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I learned to drive on the 101. Oh, that man. was horrible. Yeah. So then Nashville's not so bad. Oh, no, I got this. Yeah. 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 So, you okay, L.A. for nine months. Why did you... What happened? So, what? I moved out there because I signed this publishing deal, and then nine months into the deal... BMG bought Bug, yeah. and all my point people were gone. So it was like everything that I signed up for didn't exist anymore. Right. Um, you know, and at that point, I was just so stressed. I was yeah. tired. You know, I kind of went from NYU to record deal to on the road to radio to like move to LA, just a lot of intensity. So I came back to New York and I started working at um, like a little center in Queens teaching kids. Music and yoga. <laughs> really? <laughs> yeah. Um, and then, yeah, I was like, you know what? I, I honestly had a moment. I was like 22, 23 at the time. I didn't know if I wanted to keep doing music. I was yeah. just so tired. I had a lot of great experiences, but I was really fried. Um, and then <clears throat> while I was still in at Bug and living in L.A., I flew to Nashville because Bug sent me here to write. And I met all these great songwriters. And... I'd be living in Queens doing my thing, like applying back to college. Wow. And getting these texts from writers in Nashville, like, hey, you should you should come write. Yeah. You know? And I was like, oh, maybe I should. So I took a couple trips down and got some holds on those trips. And I took it as a sign that like, you know what? I can do this. I believe in myself enough. Let's go. So packed up and moved here. And then... It was a cheap place to live. Mm-hmm. And I just, I always love the community. Um, one of my first publishing deals was a LA company that had an office here. And the lady from LA came in. We had like eight writers' rooms and they were all full. And she goes, This is unbelievable. I've never yeah. seen anything like this. And I go, Well, how is it in LA? And she goes, Bart, we have writers that have been signed for three years that I've never met. Wow. Because they write, they yeah. do their demos in their home studios, and they send us the songs. Yeah. She goes, we never see each other, Isn't ever. Crazy? Yeah, and I just thought, man, I just love the interplay and the back and forth and writing with you. You can say you like something, but your face says you don't like something. Yes. It's like, I don't know how you do that Yeah. without ever seeing anybody. It's just so foreign to me. I guess we're just more 
people person than people 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 people. Yeah, I mean, Nashville was just this was 2013. Okay, moved. and like it was just such a creative little hub. Like everybody out and about on Music Row collaborating. Like yeah. it was, it felt so inclusive and like. You know, just that I'd been here a couple times and these writers texting me while I'm living in Queens being right. like, hey, come write with us. Like, we think you're really talented. It really boosted my morale yeah. as a writer, especially after like everything I'd been through in the business at that point. I, w- I was very grateful that people were kind enough to be like, hey, you're good. You should come back. And then you look you know? at six-year-olds doing yoga and you go, hey, I think I'm going to Nashville. I think I'm going to Nashville. <laughs> yeah. Mrs. Johnson, I love your daughter, but... Yeah. I'm, it was actually a really fun job. I'm not going to lie. But yeah. I was ready to blossom elsewhere. So you said early on that you were writing from such an early age by yourself. Did mm-hmm. you always continue to write by yourself or did you find collaborators early on? Once I had my publishing deal, it was always co-writing, okay. you know, and then my record deal and then moving here, of course, like, yeah. super collaborative and which I, I love. Is the pop collaborative the same as country? No, it's not, different. How's it different? It's like, I speak Polish and English, right? Right. It's sort of like that to me. It feels like I just speak, it's two languages. It's yeah. like, you know, what, an artist like Britney Spears or someone would say is very different than, you know, what right. you hear on country radio. Like it's, there's just a different, uh, you know, you can't, it's, it's cultural. It's, yeah. it's geographical, all of that, all of the above. So it just feels like, you know, you kind of got to put a different hat on, but again, speaking different languages growing up, I was used to that, you know, it's also so amazing to me to see what's important to that format. Like right. to me, pop, the rhymes and the rhythm and stuff is so much more important oh, yeah. the melody. than the melody, than being a great story or making sure your tense is right or you're grammatically right. And it's like hundred percent. Those two things just kind of. I think it would be hard to to meet in the middle sometimes. Oh yeah, I mean, I think a strong pop concept's always great. Yeah, I think that's the holy grail. But like melodies so important yeah pop, you know and i feel like in country it's important but i think the focus is more on the story yeah yeah now i had one of the bigger uh session guitar players in town tell me always do a session on a monday or a tuesday hmm. and i said why he says because by friday i'm pulling my hair out trying to come up with a solo that i haven't already played this week <gasps> Because melodically and chord structure wise, it's very similar. Yeah. Now that's changing, obviously. Yeah. It's getting way more pop here, but still. Yeah. It's, it's, it's very incremental how the bush, the boundaries are being pushed. Yeah. Perhaps not as experimental. Like pop is sort of like, you never know what the next pop trend is going to be. Yeah. Yeah. And it may be the sixties. Yeah. Could be anything, yeah. which is cool. You look at like Bruno Mars. Oh yeah, I mean that guy is very forward thinking, but he's also absolutely got one foot stuck in sixties Motown. Yep, influenced by time. that, hundred percent. Do you write a lot by yourself? Um, I wouldn't say I write a lot by myself. I've I've gone definitely deeper into the sync world in the last year and a half. Yeah, I wanted to ask you about that. Yeah, so a lot of that, like you know. Sometimes I'll collaborate with people in the room. Sometimes a sync producer will send me a track and I'll top line it alone in Can my house. Can you explain sync? Yeah. I mean, so sync 
means synchronization, right? For short. So basically it's putting songs in TV shows, commercials, and films. Um, So that's if you land a quote-unquote sync. Oh, I got a sync today, meaning I got a sync in a TV show or whatever. Right. Um, I've wanted to get into it for like five years. Um, Every publishing deal I had, you know, I thought would be a way into it, but it ended up not being the case. So I just kind of, after I got married in 2019, my husband was like, you know, why don't you take the leap of faith and like, don't just sign a pub deal right away. Like, why don't you go out on your own for a second and see what can happen here? Cause you really want to do this sync stuff. Cause at the end of the day, the cool thing about sync is you get to be an artist. Like mm-hmm. I get to be an artist again, which is what I got into this business to do. Sure. But I don't have to tour and I don't have to be on a label and I have to go on radio tour. Like I can just make records in my house and TikTok videos or whatever. And like, you know, get syncs placed and then TV shows and commercials literally pay me to put my music in their stuff. It's incredible. It's so great. I'm so thankful. So like, you know, I just kind of went, I think I got to do this. So I, I went out on my own. Yeah. It was scary. (laughs) Okay. So I love all of that. But when you say, excuse me, and then my songs get put in these movies. Yeah. How does that happen? So, I work with this incredible company in town called Resonate. Okay. Um, and my manager is Wendy Duffy. Like, they all manage me, but Wendy owns the company. She's amazing. She's a legend. Like, created this sync house company on her own. Badass woman. Mm-hmm. And, you know, just through through friends in town and writing, I got connected with her. And, you know, we worked together for a while, like as her being my sync rep. And then after about six months, she called me and she's like, hey, I really want to manage you. And I was like, yes, thank you. God. Because <laughs> um, I really wanted that. So she started managing me less than a year ago. And yeah, so she and her, her awesome people there, um, Emma, Josh, Lexi, Justin, they all pitch, you know, my songs. So they're talking to TV executives and radio, ex- I mean, uh, movie executives and so are those yes. conversations like, okay, we have a, a car chase scene that we need a movie for, but it's a girl driving, so we need a girl singing. I mean, what is it so specific, or is does a great song win? Or you said you'll get a, a track from somebody, mm-hmm. and when you say top line, you mean lyric vocals and, and lyrics? Okay. Yep, lyric and melody. Um, and I'll sing it. Yeah. Cut vocals at home, vocal produce it. I mean, I think... The scenes and stuff that people require, I think there's a a huge spectrum. Yeah. You know, some stuff has to be more specific than others. So, again, I don't know how to quite articulate it. You just kind of learn what that language is, yeah. and like what they need lyrically, and start writing songs inspired by that and based on that. You know, and and what I love about sync. Um, another thing I love about it is it's very emotion driven. So like all the songs that you write, they're really meant to just amplify the emotion, whether it's, you know, a scene in a film or a TV show, or it's an ad and what that ad is wanting you to feel. So it it definitely is like good to be in tune with like what the song is conveying emotionally. So you're not just writing 150 songs a year and then they're trying to jam those songs into scenes. You're writing for somebody will call you. Or your manager will say, 
hey, here's the kind of scene we need. And then you'll, is that, is that where you start? Sometimes she'll do that. Other times it is like just, hey, I wrote a really happy okay. kind of vibe today. Or I wrote like a more heartfelt thing. Or I wrote a more sentimental, nostalgic thing. And then they'll pitch those things. So it, it can go either way. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's interesting. Yeah. Do you ever say no to getting a song placed? Because it might be just something that... You're going like, I may make a record again next year and I want to keep this? No. Like, I, I love having them out there. I do. I'm like, uh-uh. I, I feel like I, I don't know that I, like, make quote-unquote records. I feel like I, I'm constantly writing, constantly creating. Yeah. And then I release stuff that I love. You know, like it's just I love everything that I get to be part of right yeah. now. It's been really awesome to watch. Like, I feel like. As an artist, I always had so many influences mm-hmm. that maybe that didn't make me the greatest radio artist because right. I loved different stuff. And what I love about sync is like I can do a cool hip hoppy vibe or I can do a reggae thing or like a dance pop thing or like yeah. an acoustic track. Like I can jump around to where, you know, I emotionally feel. Yeah. And that's what I love about it. You know, do you ever write? I mean, do you if you do, I assume you still do co-writes. Yeah, yeah. Does your publisher and everybody, or your manager hook that up? Or are you, do you have your circle of friends and you kind of stay with your circle of friends? When it comes to, like, I'm self-published now. When okay. it comes to Sync Stuff, Wendy and everybody at Resonate books my calendar, um, Pop Stuff too, the yeah. book. And then when it comes to country stuff, like, I, you know, I'm out there hustling. Yeah. And, and... I have a lot of relationships. I've been here nine years, so I'll book a lot of stuff myself. Yeah. Um, and then this girl, Cassidy Peterson, she has a company called Muse Creative Management. She'll help me book some stuff too. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm really out there just like doing it, hustling, yeah. self-published. So I have to be a publisher, you know, <laughs> which I love. Like yeah. I started this company and, you know, took the leap and like the net appeared, you know, like I was so nervous and it was all during COVID. I'm like, what am I doing? And my husband was really encouraging of like, Hey, like, yeah, believe in yourself. You can do this. And yeah, it's, it's so far so good. You know? So if you're out of coffee, you only have you to blame. Yeah. Yeah. It's only me. That's not a bad thing. No. Would you rather write with an artist or would you rather do sync stuff or are they just both wonderful and you want to keep doing both of them? I want to keep doing both. Yeah. Like I've, I've been diverse <clears throat> since I got into this, my first pub deal at 16. And I was always really like frustrated because I wanted to find a publishing home where I could do a bunch of everything. Cause yeah. I get bored otherwise. And I also think business wise, it's good to, you know, diversify your portfolio Um, I think especially in this day and age, if you're going to be, you know, in music and you have to look at your, your business as a business, right. Even though you're a creative. So I look at it like a business and I go, okay, if I have X amount of cuts and with artists and then X amount of sync releases and placements, like that's a sustainable business. So I look at my business model that way. And I was like, well, if I can't find a home where, you know, that exists, I'll create one. And at the, again, my husband encouraged me and I just kind of started believing it and working really hard because, you know, you work for yourself, you work 24 hours a day. (laughs) It's, you know, Mm. it's definitely a grind, but I love it. I love it. Did you do a lot of Zoom rights? During like the thick of COVID for sure. That bug you? 
I was, I had the mentality of like, this is what I have to do to win. That's what I thought. I literally was like, well, adapt or die. So I bought a laptop and logic and I learned to cut vocals and I have an SM7 and yep. an interface. And I was just like, well, I, I didn't really have an emotion about it. I was just like, this is what I have to do to survive. I know guys that just shut down and say, I ain't Zoom right. And it's like, well, fine. Yeah, then bye. Can yeah. I get your catalog from you? Yeah. Because I know there's a lot of guys that now have an open day. Yeah. I and just, you know, it kind of made it like, it, it opened what, so many doors, especially yeah. in sync, like working with people in LA and Atlanta now is commonplace. Like, I don't have to fly there anymore. Absolutely. Like we're even this post sort of or interim in COVID culture, like we learned to adapt. It's <laughs> a good word. Right. And I'm like, okay, like cool. The, yeah. If there's any silver li- linings with this awfulness, it's like, you know, like I learned how to do that. A lot of people learn how to do that. It makes life more efficient, you know, as far as like collaborating across coasts. And you're at home in and your room. In my jammies. Yeah. And my Spice Girls t-shirt. <laughs> Chilling. See, see, I can't do jammies. I got to get a shower in, make okay. a good breakfast, a good cup. I do too. On and act days. like this room is an office. Yeah, I get that. Otherwise. And I have my office in my house. And yeah. like I sh- when I shut the doors, I feel like I'm done working, yeah. which is great. And it's at like the front of our house where like no one really hangs. Mm-hmm. So it's like, it's nice. It separates my life for sure. Yeah. <laughs> I, I do shower. I'd like everyone to know. I take showers. <laughs> But only on days you're right. So maybe yeah, exactly. That's fantastic. Do you want to do my lightning round? What? It, yeah. Oh, my God. What does it mean? This is a list of questions. That just <gasps> okay. give me, like, All right. first thing out of your head. Okay. Unless And and go as long as you want, though. Okay. You can edit my pauses, right? No, oh, no, no, no. <laughs> we love the pauses. They're pregnant okay. with thought. Yeah. What's your favorite book and who are your favorite authors? <gasps> I love The Alchemist by Paulo Coelho. It's one of the greatest books of all time. I have reread it several times in my life when I felt like I needed a boost. And okay. it's all about finding what really what really matters in life. Mm-hmm. And I think it's a good soul tethering type of book. Um, who are my favorite authors? I mean, I love F. Scott Fitzgerald. The Great Gatsby is one of my favorites. Um, I'm definitely a reader. Yeah. I read a lot. Yeah. I have a couple of books. These are just the Yeah, da- just a few. These here. are just the downstairs just a books. Few. Uh what's the last gift you gave someone? Ooh, the last gift. My presence. No, I'm kidding. That's a total <laughs> joke. I'm not a narcissist. Um last gift I gave someone. Oh, my nephew Parker was born uh last week and I sent him a Bills onesie for his first nice. Bills game. Ugh. Yep. Keeping it in the family. Hey, Parker. Hi, Parker. I don't know you. Parker John. Uh, What's the first concert you saw? How old were you? And did you get a t-shirt? My first concert was Tina Turner. I was 11. Seriously? Yep. I was 11. Man. My dad took me. Lionel Richie opened. I still have the shirt from the 24-7 tour. And my parents named me after her, which is why it was my first concert. That's awesome. Yeah. I've seen, I don't know how many concerts in my life. I never got to see Tina Turner. Oh, it was like, I was 11 and, you know, poor immigrant family. We didn't have the best seats. But like when that stage lit up with T-I-N-A, I was like, yes, you know, and they named me after her because my mom went into labor while watching her concert on HBO. So like they were big fans. (laughs) So naturally I became a fan and I was obsessed with her and so happy that I got to see her. 
Yeah. That's so funny. Still have the shirt. But yeah, I mean, Tina Turner is like, you could have saw, and no offense, because we all love him, but like Merle Haggard or somebody mm-hmm. who just has this great band and they just stand there and play. Yeah. But you saw Tina Turner and it's like, you're going to go up from there? Not no. really. <laughs> She's electricity in human yeah. form. Yeah. I mean, it was like, it was, and she was probably in her 50s or 60s. I mean, she yeah. was incredible. I was 11, just like blown away. I started crying, I remember, because I was so happy. Did you learn how to do the dancing and everything? Oh, I was in the aisle just yeah. like, oh yeah. Oh yeah. Love that. What's the last movie you saw in a theater? <gasps> oh my God. Hustlers with J-Lo. <laughs> <laughs> Before the pandemic in Green Hills, you know where they have like the seats with like your like the yeah, recliners? Yeah, yeah. Yep. So like this is a funny story. I'm sitting watching Hustler, like the movie started already, and like five minutes into it, I'm at the end of the aisle. Um, my husband's next to me to my right. This like very like tall woman <laughs> climbs over my husband and he just looked like he saw heaven like he was just so happy and she goes excuse me it was nicole kidman okay climbing over so he tells everyone nicole kidman straddled me like oh my god um and then so yeah keith and nicole sat next to us while we watched hustlers that is hilarious because before they built the theater at cool springs amy amy and i's our date every week is a movie and so we would go to green hills and we sat next to Keith and Nicole five, no! five or six times. You've got to be kidding me. And it was interesting. And I won't say what they did, but I mean, I won't say what movie it was, but they felt the freedom to get up and walk out of a lot of movies. Yeah. yeah. So they, they left before it ended, like well before it ended. I was like, oh, I didn't quite, I'm like, maybe they don't want to be seen. Like, I get that. They but nobody wanna... ever bugged them. Yeah. Nobody ever bugged them. So I don't know. They they left like 15 minutes before Hustlers ended. Well, there was one movie. They left about 15 minutes from the beginning of the movie. They both got up They're and just, just like, this is bad. Yeah. We're done. Huh. But yeah, Hustlers, J-Lo. Nice. Last movie I saw in the theater. So what was or what is your nickname? Like when you were either growing up or now? Tinka. Tinka? Mm-hmm. That's what my parents call me. Really? To this day. Mm-hmm. So, like, all my female cousins. Yeah. We're all Polish, right? We have, like, Kasia, Pusha, Tinka, Ola, Monika. Like, we all have our little Polish right. names. So, yeah. Man. Tinka. To this day. I like that. Sorry, my phone is buzzing. No, you're blowing up over there. What is going on here? I'm going to shut it off. I'm so sorry. No. Sorry, sorry. I'd like to know that Ugh. people are... Airplane mode. Okay. They're looking good. for you. No, we're good. Uh, what's the favorite song you've ever written, whether it was a hit or not? Oh, this is so tough. Are you kidding me? Ever written? Yeah. Oy vey. Um, I, can I think about it? Uh, yeah. Uh, oh, my God. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Oy vey. Oy vey. Um, I would say... Oh my God! One of my favorites right. is uh, "Jersey on the Wall" by Tennille Towns. Oh yeah, yeah, nice. That one's special to me for well, a lot I'm of sure. reasons. Yeah. If you were to be cremated, where would your ashes be spread? Oh God, uh, Lake Erie. Really? Buffalo? Yeah. Yeah. Over the lake. 
How about on the 50-yard line of the Bills? Or or the 50-yard line. Yeah. yeah. Or even the end zone. Yeah. Yeah. You could probably make that happen. <laughs> I always told Amy I want my ashes spread on the front row at a metal show. And I said, you'll be throwing out ashes at a metal show. It'll be fine. In the mosh pit. Exactly. Obviously. Yeah. What would you be doing if you weren't doing this? I'd be a psychologist. Would you really? Mm-hmm. Hands down. How come? I really love, I, I believe in helping people. Yeah. You know, I, uh, I go to therapy. It's helped me a lot. Um, I'm on the board of directors of music health Alliance and, uh, just seeing the need for mental health care mm-hmm. come through our industry. Um, you know, multiply that by <laughs> 5,000 for the rest of the planet. And, you know, I just think that it's being normalized now yeah. to talk to someone, oh, sure. which is a beautiful yeah. thing. Um, so yeah, I'd be a therapist. Especially our industry where most people are crazy when they get into it. Yeah. And then it makes you crazier. No, but I mean, I, I actually really want to become one when I'm older. That's something Hmm. I see myself doing like in a different season, you know? Do you think it's gotten worse during COVID with everybody, all the shut-ins and everything? Man, I think this time has just been hard. Yeah. Like the shutdowns, the fear, you know? I have friends who nearly lost their businesses. Yeah. Um, oh, yeah. We did. You know, we lost a business. I'm sure. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm sorry about that. Like spiral, spiraled some friends of mine into depression. Yeah. Um, had to fire people, had to, you know, then worrying about health and safety and just it's, you know, what's the right thing to do? What isn't? How far is too far? We all have all these questions. I mean, it adds, it, it's basically like. Life's always been stressful, but now everyone has this baseline of stress vibrating in their yeah. body. And I think that that's super unhealthy, you know? I think also most people want somebody to blame. And I think right now the blame is so scattered oh that they can't put their finger on anything. And we live in blame culture. And it's yeah. so pissed off. So I'll just be mad at everybody. Yeah. A lot of anger. Yeah. For sure. I mean, it's... You know, it's funny, like post 9-11, you saw this sort of like banding together camaraderie. Absolutely. And I just wish that was happening now. Yeah, it's not. I can say. And it's not. So do I think it's worse now? Yeah, it's definitely this life is crazy right now. Yeah. You know, I have family overseas that I don't even know. My brother lives in France. I don't know when I'm going to see him next. Man. You know, I have nieces over there. I haven't seen them since my wedding. Yeah. We got married before the pandemic. Um, so it's just like, yeah, it's that, that alone, you know, like, when am I going to see them? When am I going to see my cousins in Toronto? Like, right. I don't know. It's, Maybe the next time Tina Parole and the convicts tour up there. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, we're going to be, uh, we're going to be touring. <laughs> got some dates. Got, yep. uh, spring 2023. <laughs> it's happening. You can pre-order your merch right yep. now on the website. We're getting back together. What do you listen to for fun? Oh my God. I listen to everything. I love ABBA. I think they're the greatest pop melody writers of all time. Yeah. Fight me on that. Let's go. Because they're the greatest. <laughs> they influenced Max Martin, okay? Who's the greatest pop writer. Um, I love ABBA. I love hip hop. I listen to, like, I love Tilip Kweli. Mm-hmm. He's a rapper from New York. Um, Common, Most Deaf. Uh, I listen to a lot of jam bands. I like the Grateful Dead. I like Dispatch is one of my favorite bands. They're an independent band. Um, They're what band? Independent band. If you don't know of Dispatch, they're independent, but they've sold millions of records without a label. And they played Madison Square Garden three nights in a row when I was in college. They kept adding nights because it kept selling out. 
They're great. And they gave every dime to charity. So they're great. Um, I okay. love OAR. Another, I'm like a jam band upstate hippies. Why I want to see Dave Matthews soon. Exactly. Um, but I also love rock. Like I listen to everything, rock, hip hop, pop, dance. I love it all. Reggae. I'm a big reggae fan. Who runs the radio in the car when you're with your husband? He has amazing taste in music. Okay. I'll say him. <laughs> we both have a great taste, but like he knows his music. Like mm-hmm. his high school yearbook quote was a Garth Brooks quote. Like he loves, he can go hard on some old school country. He knows the words to every 90s country song. Like, yeah, more than I do. Yeah. And I know my country. He knows his country. (laughs) Yeah. Well, what's next? What haven't I asked you about? Oh, my gosh. I mean, I'm going to go home. I'm going to make a sandwich. (laughs) No. uh, You know, I'm going to keep expanding my company. Like, I'm going to keep building my sync business as an artist, like my sync platform, you know, just being able to put records out and songs out and, um, growing G23 publishing, which is my publishing company. I have some country cuts that have just come out, um, which I'm excited about. And, you know, I, I really hope to one day sign some writers. Like that's definitely something I want to do. Um, I'd like to find some like young producers that are hungry to get in the sync game. Like that's my next thing that I can work with Yeah, that I can also mentor and get in the game and yeah, just kind of keep expanding, you know, what I get to do, which is a little bit of everything now, which well, is what I've always wanted. If you go slow, that kind of stuff is doable. Yes. You watch these people come into town and throw $5 million against the wall and three years later they're broke and leaving town. Yeah. It's like, that's not how you build a business. It's called no. building. It's so building. Start from the ground up. Yeah. That's and, great. and mama likes to invest. So yeah. I'm all about the stock market and, you know, real estate and just investing and growing and, you know, investing in my business. Like I just bought more equipment so I can start to learn to do tracks of my own for sync. Um, I don't know if I'll be great at it, but I'm going to try, you know, like I, I would love to do some hundred percenters, you know, and, and just kind of keep expanding. I see that growing and yeah, I just, I'm going to keep growing the whole publishing company I have. That's great. Yeah. Where can people find you? What are your socials? At Tina Parole. P-A-R-O-L, no E, <laughs> no more E, and um, at G23 Publishing. Sweet. Mm-hmm. Thank you for coming out to the country. Thanks for having me. I love it here. Can't wait till you and the hubs come back out yeah. and can spend a day on the deck up Bring there, man. Bring some wine over. That's all right. Talk get, politics. Get the dogs. <laughs> oh, yeah, and then more politics. Yeah. It'll be great. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. See you soon.